Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch. I've got both my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore writer over on Blizzard Watch. That'd be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you, you sound like you sound like Doom. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I don't know why. I just was. I just saying <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, greetings. <laughs> greetings. Anyway, uh, we've also got our other co-host with us. He'd be another Lori. I can't talk today. Joe. Joe's here. Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Well, hello, everybody. How you doing today? Whoa, you're blowing out my speakers, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Dial it back just a little bit. Sorry. Joe's yeah, doing this drive time talk. <laughs> For, for Anne was commenting about how whenever we do a sound check, I go into announcer mode, and I figured it would be you know a little bit funny to you know say my hello like that. It's like local commercial car salesman mode or something. I don't know. I watched weird. a whole lot of the movie Major League when I was younger, ah. and so that kind of just stuck with me. <laughs> well, I tell you what, this week we've got a whole mess of me- emails to get to, and um, I can almost guarantee that we're not going to get to all of them. because we never do but that's okay we're gonna go ahead and address them as best we can and see how many we can get to before we hit our time limit here for the day um if you guys have an email for lore watch you can send that to podcast.blizzardwatch.com and just make sure that you put lore watch in the subject line that way we know that it's intended for this show uh we do take lore questions it doesn't have to be about world of warcraft the majority of the stuff we get is about world of warcraft but we also like to talk about stuff from overwatch stuff from diablo stuff from wherever any of the blizzard games so feel free to send those in uh our first email actually comes from a patreon supporter whose name is vertigree an undead frost mage and a new patreon supporter apparently so thanks for that who has two questions for us and i'm just they're they're vastly different questions so we're just going to answer them one at a time here and see where things go first question 
During one of the quests from Island Expedition Drops, you end up talking to a Twilight Hermit in Silithus, who says, We don't need to worry. The whispers stopped the day the wound opened. This leads me to believe Cthune is as dead as Yashiraj, and once that sword comes out, that will be another well of eternity on Kalimdor. What do you think that would do? Who in the game could even know that that was possible? Um... Obviously, the island expedition drops, there's several of them, and each of them have different little plot points that they're throwing out there. This one's one of the really interesting ones, because just because of what that hermit says, where he says, hey, the whispers stopped the day the wound opened. So I'm wondering, you guys, what do you think that means? And do you think we'll actually get that sword out of Silithus? And if we do, is that going to be another Well of Eternity situation? Or what do you think is going to happen there? That's kind of a complicated thing, right? Because yeah. what, what do we know so far? We know that the Well of Eternity was created when an old god was essentially ripped out of the planet. And it was the blood of Azeroth that sort of created that that entity right that created that that vortex of swirling arcane power that you know we fought over many times um we have a similar situation already with azurite but that it always struck me as a little bit odd right because you have this giant sword that wounded the planet but what came out of it wasn't anything like the well of eternity it's a different substance at least mechanically right like it's raising elementals it's got power but can be harvested in almost like this semi-liquid semi-solid state almost like a non-newtonian fluid but it's not is it because the sword is there that it's not forming another well or was there something else that happened in the past when the titans well technically technically that hole is plugged yes but the sword is is plugging it but yeah but it, it is and it isn't because we still have azurite which is the blood of azeroth coming up in the various cracks that emanate from where that wound is, right? And all over the world, really, which is right. weird. Yeah, so that that begs the question, did something different happen when the Titans ripped out the old god back in the day that well, created the Well, they were the pulling world? something out instead of pushing something in. Maybe, um, maybe in the act of pulling Yashiraj out, that created a wound and it was like proper blood, Whereas plunging the sword in, it's sort of like having a foreign body in your in, in your body. Like if you get a splinter or something like that and you have like, what do you call them? Well, you I was know, thinking along little, the same little, lines. Like... Little body parts that fight infection. Oh my gosh. A- I am... Thank you. Antibodies. So, so maybe this Azerite stuff is that instead of straight. That's... Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering is like, is this sort of Azeroth's natural sort of defense against a wound inflicted inside of it because we don't know we don't know what happened when the old gods first burrowed into the planet right well and here's the deal too is the thing magni's trying to get us to collect the azurite to bring it all back to fix the wound right so if Mm -hmm. it is kind of like an antibody type thing yeah we'd want to get a lot of it like i don't know a vaccine or something like that i am not a doctor (laughs) I apologize to anybody in the medical profession because I'm just talking out my butt right now. But it it stands to reason if this Azerite stuff is something that just sort of emerged as a way to fight infection, we'd want to gather it and put it at the place where, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like a big old Band-Aid of good stuff. Kind of, yeah. I was thinking along the lines of there's, there's this thing when you get like a spinal tap or something like that done where they call, they call giving you like a blood patch and it's sort of like uh, a hemoglobin thing where like it creates almost like an artificial scab over where they had to pierce your your spine and i'm wondering if this is sort of like the same situation where we're trying to gather all this stuff here not necessarily uh to fix fix what's going on but to get the sword dissolved or removed and then patch over the hole quickly so that azeroth can heal but because i tell you what this is this is the thing that's always confused me and it's confused me with the old gods too because you know we have serenite serenite has been described as old god blood it's a mineral people have been using it to build buildings and build armor which probably isn't the best idea in the world but okay um 
and they were like, ah, this is old God blood. Okay, that's fine and everything, but weird because the Well of Eternity and all these other facilities that are Titan blood or Titan blood adjacent are, it, it's a liquid. I mean, you have the Well of Eternity, you have the various little wells all over the place. You have that. Um, it's so Serenite, really, in its, in its pure form, right? Like when you go to fight. I guess. When you go to fight uh, Mr. Mouths for Eyes, uh, he's in a pool of liquid serenite. There's this is several. True. This is true. There's you several quests sitting where... in it. There's yeah, actually and... also a ton of liquid azurite. Mm-hmm. Azurite is in fact naturally liquid. The stuff yep. that's. But that liquid it. azurite doesn't look anything like the Well of Eternity. It's like a different thing. So is it because it's diluted from the waters of the world, like the natural waters that are just present on the surface, or? Is there something... I don't know if are, it's is well, from them. I... Is Azerite... I mean, we would have to presume that Azerite and the material in the Well of Eternity and elsewhere, it's kind of the same thing. You're looking at blood from... We're sort of forgetting soul. something about the Well of Eternity, though. Yeah. The Well of Eternity that we saw, the Well of Eternity that we have any knowledge of, was not just the raw wound. It was after tens of thousands of years of Titan keepers shaping it and plugging it into a system designed to regenerate Azeroth and heal it. The well that we knew of was not the well after it was created. It was a harnessed, shaped, created, curated thing that the Titan keepers put into the whole system of regeneration. So do you think maybe it was Azerite after it's gone through a Titan, Titan treatment facility? No, I think it was water. The vials that Illidan used had water from the Well of Eternity. I think the Well of Eternity is what happens if you let liquid azurite populate into something that's water. The well, that's what water, I was saying before. When, was... You, when, you said, when you said dilutes, that's the thing I think happened with the original Well mm-hmm. of Eternity. I think the Well of Eternity was diluted azurite, in, very diluted. So it still had tons of arcane power, but it wasn't as concentrated because it wasn't this stuff. This stuff is straight up blood. It's a, it's a difference between – I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. It's the difference between having, say, you're just bleeding versus putting a little blood into some water. You can see the blood in the water. It diffuses out, and it turns the water slightly pink. But it isn't the same thing as just filling a cup full of blood, you know? It's And for that matter, I don't – I think we're – Azeroth isn't a person or a – it's not a being the way we're beings. It isn't made of the same kind of stuff as us. So, yeah, Azerite – quote unquote is blood but what it really is is the essence of the planet it's the essence of the the titan within the planet so yet it serves functions but it isn't the same thing so it doesn't scab up it encrusts and crystallizes it doesn't flow it becomes like you know it's there's a risk to thinking too much too biologically about this i don't think that's fair but i there's a lot we don't know I mean, one of the things that I, we've mentioned before is the strange likeness between um, Azerite and Saranite, and the fact that the sword went right down where we know an old god was, and we know old gods take up a lot of space under the ground. When The part of the old god that you get to see is not the whole old god. Like, when we get to see um, Yogg, we saw a very little bit of Yogg, not all of him. Um, when they pulled Yishraj out, they ripped out, like, a huge chunks of him. He got squashed, too. We forget this. He got mm-hmm. squashed and he got scattered across the landscape. And the pieces of him went, went as far as Pandaria. They they didn't just stay right there. They, they, they covered the landscape. Places as disparate as Pandaria and Oldham had pieces of the old god in them. So I don't think – I don't know that we're going to look at a new Well of Eternity here because I don't know that there's anybody left to make a Well of Eternity out of the wound. The, the Well of Eternity is the result of them sitting down and saying, okay, how do we keep this planet from dying? And, you know, right now we've got maybe one Titan Keeper who's working on the problem instead of the whole pantheon of Titan Keepers that they had the last time. The last time they won the war and they could shape the planet at their leisure. You know what I mean? They had all the time they needed to, to come up with their system, to build the world engines, to link the whole network together, to create all the uh, Titan facilities and, and put them all on their, you know, their roads and platforms. The, what did they call it? The Path of Eternity? The, there was that road that went from the all Path the of the Titans. Yeah, they, they had that all the way throughout the world. 
they had the time and to to build all this stuff. Right now, Mother is the only Titan Keeper who's doing anything, who's analyzing it all, and she doesn't sound particularly optimistic. Um, Odin, what's maybe he doing? we should probably preface that with, hey, by the way, um, there may be potential spoilers for eight point one point five content because okay, I had is... forgotten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's there's regardless... like one Titan Keeper who's even involved. There's not a, there's the other Titan Keepers. If they're doing anything, we don't know about it. Like we haven't heard from Freya, we haven't heard from Odin, we haven't heard from Thorum. The last time we saw those guys was the Warrior Class Order Hall stuff, and they haven't spoken up since. The last time we heard from Odin, he was like, "Yeah, maybe I'll take a trip to Ulduar. and that's it. We don't know what Rod ends up to. He hasn't, you know, the last time we saw he Rod disappeared. End, yeah, yeah, he mm-hmm. he disappeared, and he hasn't said he hasn't done squat. He's like, "Ah, oh, you're all gonna die, but go ahead and try to save yourselves." So those Titan Keepers who who did all the work last time aren't doing anything this time. Some of them are dead. Some of them went crazy. Uh, some of them are bitter. Like, like hell yeah. I don't, I can't imagine hell yeah getting involved this time. So it's possible that we won't get a well of eternity because the people who know how to turn those kind of wounds into wells of eternity aren't going to be there doing it this time. Yeah. And the one person that's given us any sort of information is the mouthpiece for the wounded thing, right? Like the wounded yeah. Titan is, is doing it. We don't know what Azeroth actually knows about any of those processes or anything like that. And I don't know about you, but like I've every book or every movie I've ever seen where, you know, somebody's grievously wounded. Sometimes they make really poor decisions that are made in haste. So we don't even know if what we're doing is going to fix the problem because, well, like you said, everybody who actually knows is not here. And the one person who is talking to us might not know better because, well, she was kind of, or, they were kind of not fully conscious when the first time happened. Not to mention, it's still a child. Yeah, even yeah, at best, at best, it's still you know an infant of some. This, fo- this some is not. Sort. You know who? You know who actually might know? Mm. One one person who actually might know and who hasn't been seen since Algalon. Uh, no, that wasn't what I was going to say. No, Algalon's role isn't this. No. Uh, think about it. He ate a Titan's heart. He Titan Keeper heart. Yep. He got infused with knowledge. Yeah. 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 And he's been referenced. You must rebuild the final Titan. Yeah. He has been referenced. Um, he's been referenced in the Island Expeditions. There's a separate quest thing that sends you to um, Black Rock Mountain because apparently he's there somewhere um, and there's something going on there, but it didn't go any further than that. Yeah, he might have a better idea of what's going on. The only reason I suggested Algalon is because Algalon has seen worlds destroyed before. He's seen worlds go through reorigination before. He's an yeah, observer. But... He's an observer. Yeah, so, so while he may not be directly involved with anything, he's seen a lot. That's true. But we know that Algalon is a constellar. He's a, yeah, basically he's a powerful a construct. Yeah. He, he does a different role. Um, I'm not sure that he's the one you call on to say, how do we, f-? usually he's the one called on to say, okay, this isn't fixable. Turn it all, click it all over, you know, reboot it, you know, shut the servers down. We're going to have to strip them. So I'm I not- would just say that if he has seen this sort of stuff happen before, if he has seen stuff like this happen before, and I know that in his little monologue after you defeat him in Ulduar, he says that he's seen like a million and million worlds and, you know, thousand, countless worlds bathed in the maker's flames, all this other stuff. Algalon's seen corruption before. Algalon's seen planets that were beyond help before. And Algalon's borne witness to all of this stuff. He might not know what to do about any of this, but he might have some useful information. And I wouldn't mind seeing him make a return because he was a fascinating character that we didn't get a lot out of. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I totally... I'm I'm not saying I w- wouldn't want to see Algon again. I'm just saying that I, I keep thinking Rathion might know more than anybody because the information he got is the information Raden had. Yeah. And Raden was Master Ra. He was the shaper. He was the one that basically helped. He went south to build the second, you know, to install the second world engine, uh, the engine of Nalak Shah. He was, you know, entrusted with that. So there's two there's two keepers you'd expect to have the most information on this. Uh, Odin has shown himself to be singularly useless. So I was thinking of Rodin, you know, at least my. Well, I could help you, but first I need you to prove yourselves. 
Yeah. It's like seriously, like I'm not living in a Pokeball. Would you? Just oh, yeah. So, um, I want to go back to the but, other thing that was being addressed in this email, though, which was the actual island expedition drop and what you get from it. You talk to one of those Twilight Hermits out there, right? And they mm-hmm. say that we don't need to worry because the whisper stopped the day the wound opened. Do we think that's because Cthune is dead? Do we think do we think that Sargeras impaled Cthune and killed it? Or do we think there's something else going on here and there's a reason uh, why Cthune is quiet? I got to be upfront. If he killed Cthune, we've seen what happens mm-hmm. when Titans do that kind of thing and it's not good. Yep. And if he killed Cthune directly like with a sword that he then wounded the entire planet with, that means that dead Cthune's whatever is leaking right into the, the open wound of Azeroth. Yeah. So that's even worse. Uh, that that's that's like attempting to treat cancer by stabbing someone in the tumor. That that's just just not a good idea uh, all around. Um, it's just pretty awful. Like, oh, you have a parasite stab. Ah, that wouldn't that didn't help. Um, so yeah, if Cthune is dead, that's not good news for us. Uh, if Cthune's not dead, his you know, but. We don't know that the whispers were coming from Cthulhu in the first place. You know, Cthulhu was definitely talking to to Cho'gal at one point, even though Cthulhu was supposedly dead. So during yeah, during yeah. Um, Cataclysm. So I don't I don't know that him being dead necessarily matters. If they get killed by Titans, it seems like when 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 Amethul ripped out Yashraj, he just made things worse, and Yashraj's heart continued talking and and you know was a, a threat for like 10,000 years later that it was still a threat, you know, actually more like 25,000 years, but however long it was, his heart was still capable of great evil. So I don't know if we're any better off if Cthulhu is dead. As to whether or not he is, I, who knows? I don't know. I think the curious part to me is the fact that the whispers stopped. Well, and there's a couple things that might cause that as well. Like let's, let's also bear in mind that this is a gigantic wound in a Titan baby egg. Azeroth is kind of probably screaming a little bit too and might be blocking out whatever was was done before the other thing and 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 this is what I've been thinking about I've always sort of viewed old gods as like these weird parasites where there's like a brain that's like sort of like the central amoeboid part of it that sort of builds out from there corrupting and pushing itself further and when you try to kill it or when you remove it, if you're not removing sort of that central control point, you're not really doing anything at all except for maybe blocking off its influence to wherever you attacked, right? Which is why when the Titans smushed and ripped out Yasra's, it was such a big deal because they ripped out sort of like that core point of it. And like we've talked about in the past with fighting Cthun or Yog saran we weren't fighting the whole thing, right? We were fighting a port, a part of it, right? A point of it. And we don't know if that was the brain part. We don't know if that was like the important part, but we do know that after we were engaged with them and we did our thing, they sort of went quiet for a bit. And it's either we did something good and did some damage to it and caused them to sort of like sit back and have to regenerate, or they've just been playing possum the entire time. Well, here's my... Go I ahead. was going to say, maybe maybe the old god influence is cut off from Silithus right now. That's a whole lot of titan power being, one, bled out from the ground, two, giant sword made from titan body bits. I mean, we don't know where their weapons come from. We can assume that it's a manifestation of their will and power. Like, that's a whole lot of stuff in there. And old gods and titans don't get along. So maybe that's why the whispers stop. Third potential possibility. Just throwing it out there to throw it out there. The old gods were imprisoned. They weren't killed. Mm-hmm. Um, because after they saw what happened with Yasharaj, they said, oh, wow, no, we can't do this. So they put them in containment facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if that sword busted that containment facility wide open and Cthulhu is on the move somewhere else and has decided uh, to relocate? Could be uh, could be interesting. I'd also love to see how that works out as a fight between Nazoth and Cthulhu, because we know they don't like would each other Would they be fighting, or would they at this point? They did because... before. They don't like each other, and honestly, like, we talked about the Black Empire, and, and Rossi brought this up a couple weeks ago. They were competing for basically who the biggest old god, you know, yeah. dog was in town. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's going to stop. Even when, like, Zalatath is sitting there talking garbage about all the other old gods. If Zalatath is a part of an old god, which, well, we know it is, and really wanted to, like, hedge their bets and sort of combine forces against everything... 
why would it be telling the PC how awful all the other old gods were above, you know, all but one, right? Well, plus, I mean, even if, let's assume for a moment that Cthulhu has been freed and does actually move, we don't know if the old gods go anywhere. Uh, it, it's possible they don't move. Um, but assuming he is free, he's been imprisoned, and the way he got freed was a giant sword got stuck through part of him because he was all under Silithus. There's no way he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Cthulhu's probably not in shape to fight Nzoth. For all that Nzoth was the weakest, right now, Cthulhu is in no place to start a fight with it. No. But at the same time, it's not going to ally with Nzoth. They don't do that. The only reason they all... They, they didn't even ally with, with, with the Ashraj, who was the most powerful of them all. They just carved out their own unique dominions and started fighting with each other. That's what they did last time. I think right now, if Cthulhu is alive and can move and it, you know, it, it's strategy would be to do what its strategy was before to wait, to wait until it's still, until it's, you know, in a good position to strike. Remember when it got, it got kind of free last time. When, when we, the whole, you know, AQ thing, it was getting free. That's what that was. It was breaking out. Mm-hmm. Cause we opened um, the, the gates. Yeah. yeah. But not just that the, the Silithid were digging in, they were freeing it across. And that was across all of Kalimdor. Remember, they, they, the Silithid hives were, were coming up in the Barrens. They were coming up in Feralos. Tenaris. Yeah, coming up in Tenaris. And everywhere they were coming up is a place, you know, Cthulhu's was. They were freeing him. Um, they were in, they were even in Ungoro trying to topple the uh, crystal pylons that the old, that the Titans left behind. So if the, that sword came through and freed him, the cost was probably significant pain for the old god. And it's not going to want to immediately try to go throw, you know, throw down against Nazoth for a couple of reasons. One of which is, for right now, the world is already in a, in a torment. It's fighting itself. There's no reason. There's no reward to, to Cthulhu to attack. Well, you know. And, the other th- and keep in mind, too, Cthulhu is seeing what happens when there's an allied force of Alliance and Horde against mm-hmm. it. Well, and also another thing that, no, 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 that no, no, happened. Wait, 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 wait. Cthulhu has seen when there's an allied force of alliance and horde. The might of Galimbor. Led by Varak Sorfang. Mm-hmm. Against it. Mm-hmm. Is Varak Sorfang in a position to lead an allied force of alliance and horde against an old god right now? No. Not yet. Wait, wait, just think here for a second. The sword goes into Silithus, and the Azerite is found in Silithus. Mm-hmm. The Azerite immediately becomes the flashpoint for a conflict between the Alliance and the Horde. To split them apart. None of this has anything to do with Nizoth. Mm-mm. So it's quite possible that the old god we should be afraid of isn't Nizoth. Mm-hmm. And Cthulhu might in fact be operating against us, using us, dividing us. It's not going to fight Nizoth because why would it? And why would it bother talking to the Twilight Hermits or anything like that? They aren't doing no. anything for it right now. Yeah, I don't need them. Well, the other thing I was going to say is is Cthulhu also sort of lost a whole lot of influence in that area, too, because how many hives were lost when the sword went in? Yeah, In Silithus, quite a few five. were lost, but it had hives everywhere. It did, but not all of them were dedicated to Cthulhu, correct? All the all the Silithid hives were. The Silithid hives were. They're gone. They've been wiped out. No, they're not. There's still Silithid What's down there. there? There's not just their silithid in, and not just silithid in silithus. There's silithus, the silithid throughout Kalimdor. Sure, but what and I was going to still there. But I'm going to say these huge hives are now reduced. Like when you do the questing out there, you're not killing the full-grown monstrosities like you were. You're kill, you're you're collecting babies, fresh hatchlings. Yeah. Like in silithus, that's what you're doing. Yeah. But, again, but I mean, you would. I understand that they're they're everywhere, but I'm just saying if. That was a good part of his uh, of Cthulhu's influence. He might also be dealing with that as well. We don't know. Like I haven't looked at the the hives in the other parts of the world. I'm well, sure that, that they haven't. For that matter, involved. you know, the world hasn't really been re- redesigned since Cataclysm in a lot of places. So sure. But but for that matter, a lot of those hives. Like when you did you do the Scarab Lord stuff mm-hmm. back in the day? Oh yeah. When I we were getting my Guildmaster Scarab Lord, we used to go into the underground, and they were completely jam packed with illithid uh, hives. Oh yeah. And eggs and more, and like we don't know how deep they can go. We don't well, know. Even, even when you're how, in AQ, you get you get a, a maybe a half of a glimmer, like an iceberg tip. Yeah. So 
so it's quite possible that there's you know massive amounts of silicid. I mean, the original Naraki and Akir were actually born out of the bodies of the old gods. The old gods themselves produce the Naraki and the Akir. They make them. They they crawl out of their corpse bodies. I mean, corpse isn't the right word, but you know, their horrible abomination forms just give makes. birth to those things. So if you rip open a giant chunk of an old god, for all we know, there's now many, many more silicid than there used to be because they actually might just be straight up Akir. We've never seen Akir. Like, we've seen silicid, but the silicid aren't Akir. Like, I guess the only Akir we would have seen is something like the Prophet Scarum. Yeah. You know? We haven't seen that many of them. We don't know what the Akir are like. We don't know what, they're, what they'll do or they can do. We've seen Naraki. Um, like, for instance, uh, General Vizax is a Naraki. The Faceless One's a Naraki. We've seen those now, but we haven't seen the Akir, aside from, like, one or two. So there's a lot we don't know. Like, this question is kind of – it's leading us into understanding how much stuff we don't know rather than mm -hmm. being able to give him an answer. Because this is stuff we've never really dealt with. For all that we've had the old gods around for a long time, we've really not. There's, we've barely explored the, the, the little bit of their world. So, and none of that's even dealing with the void. But yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting to to know that you know the people that were a direct threat to Cthulhu, the things that stopped Cthulhu, are the things that are fragmented and and not able to stop him now. The the, the night elves. Who let you know the might of Kalimdor was 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 led by Varric Sarfang, but the Night Elves were the ones who fought him a thousand years ago, and who remained there. I mean, they had a bastion, yeah, in Silithus. That got destroyed. Yep, and their fleet was on its way down when they got attacked. Mm -hmm. So now their fleet is not in Silithus, like it where it was going to be. There's there's nobody to stop Cthulhu if he's if he's doing anything. And again, if he can move, how does he move? And where does he go? How could he go? Well, and I always wondered about that, too, because, like, when we talked about the territory of the old gods back in the, during the Black Empire, like, why, they seemed pretty regional and pretty, like, contained. The question is, why didn't they move? Why didn't they go further? Could they have moved? And that's the question we don't know. Like, we know that they can spread influence, but can they actually move? I don't know. Are they rooted like parasites? Are they like a tick that can only burrow deeper? We know that they came to the world, like, from, they crashed into it. They were, like, hurled through the void and they crashed into the world. Um, so we don't actually know if they can move or if they just grow, if they just spread. That's another thing we don't just, so, we, we know less than we don't know. So I'm kind of stuck back. I'm, I'm going to talk through this and it might be a little bit disjointed, but I'm kind of stuck back on what you were saying about Cthulhu and what happened down there initially. What happened down there initially was the night elves went in and they locked everything up behind the, that was like the first war of the shifting sands. Right. And then the second mm -hmm. one came in. And when the second one came in, it was the United armies of the Alliance and Horde led by Verox Sourfang, who all of a sudden is a major player again. Um, and we beat AQ. We, we, we beat that. And, and then everybody just kind of went their separate ways or whatever. So what's happening right now in Battle for Azeroth? And the more that I look at it, the more I'm like, wait a tick. Because, okay, Sylvanas got promoted to War Chief for some reason. We still don't know what that reason is. There are more clues that pop up in 8.1.5. And we aren't going to talk about any of that stuff very much. But what I am going to talk about is the fact that Sylvanas went to Sourfang and said, hey, how can we go ahead and dismantle the alliance? Like she turned, part of me is kind of wondering because what was Sylvanas's first actions, right? She was like, oh, Azerite, Azerite's really cool. We need to do something about that. And then she brings in Sourfang and they turn on the Night Elves, who was the really big player in, in knocking out Cthulhu, that would be the Night Elves. So you turn the Horde against the Night Elves. And by doing that, you're also turning the Horde against the Alliance in like this significant fashion so that that potential united army doesn't even exist anymore. And the per one person, the one person who led that army is now in disgrace and kind of fleeing for his life. And Sylvanas has it out for him in like a major, major way. Is all of this tying back to Cthulhu? Like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know where I'm going here, right? Well, the the only X factor in that, and and this we've talked about it in the past, so I'm not I'm not going to go into 
what happens in the future with it. But then what about Zalatan? Yeah. And here's my other, here's my other curious thing is like, the first thing that I'm led to is, was Sylvanas put in place by the old gods to sort of break all this stuff apart? Is that who she's actually working for? But then I'm like, no, that can't be it because the void and the void created the old gods. The void wanted Sylvanas out. The void was mm-hmm. not like if you go read Three Sisters, the void, the voices talking to Alaria were were very so, emphatic about Sylvanas. It just it feels weird that there's all this coincidental stuff happening that happens to be kind of the inverse of what was going on during the War of the Shifting Sands. So I've got a question here, and this sure. this might seem completely out there, but. We know that we have the curse of flesh, right? That we're influenced from this this state, from the pure uh, building block of whatever the Titans put in place that became fleshy bits. And the assumption is that that came from, you know, the old gods. That that was the, that was their gift to us. Yeah, uh, was sort of accelerating whatever that natural process was, or putting that process in place. What if the old gods aren't exactly exempt from that type of corruption? What if the old gods aren't actually working on behalf of the void 100% and are instead working to their own sort of beat? They've been on Azeroth for how long now? How many how many thousands and thousands and thousands of years? Yeah, but is that really hundreds of thousands of years to them or is that just a blink of an eye? But what I'm saying, well, the time frame is 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 immaterial, right? Like let's let's take that out of the fact we know that when the void hurled itself into the material plane, it changed whatever that void was into the old gods. These fleshy constructy bits. We know that the old gods, if they were there purely to corrupt the planet, why did they fight amongst each other instead of just working together to speed up that corruption and do exactly what the void wanted them to do and deliver upon to them a void titan? What if they aren't exactly what the void expected? So that's why the void doesn't want Sylvanas to exist and the undead. But what if the old gods don't care? What if the old gods have their own plan to make their own Titan or infect their own Titan and rule whatever they feel like it as they see fit, spread their corruption amongst the cosmos, and they're doing their own bit. They're, they're, they're doing their own thing. They're doing not what the Void wants. They're doing what they they're want. They're working independently. Exactly. Or, there's actually Which, another thing to consider here, though. Okay. We're, we're you guys are kind of making the assumption that the void has any kind of coherent, unified thought, but it doesn't. It has sure, every void thought. Sees, the void sees multi myriads of possibilities and thinks they're all true. It's quite possible the void could simultaneously, you know, be using Sylvanas and yet want her destroyed. Um, it's possible that the old gods could be pursuing their own goals and yet still serving the void's aims. Uh, it's possible that you know. What was the old uh, Walt Whitman thing? Do I contradict myself? Very well, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. We don't know how many Void Lords there are. We don't know how many old gods there are. We know how many there were on Azeroth, but we don't know how many there are. We know there are more out in the cosmos because we're told that all the, the way back in Burning Crusade. spit them out. Yeah, but all the way back in Burning Crusade, uh, Harbinger Skyrus says, you know, we, we span the universe as, no, as numerous as the stars, and no force in creation is sufficient to make us bend our knee, not even the mighty Legion. That's going all the way back to, to you know, uh, Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. So it's quite possible that the old gods on Azeroth have each, we're each pursuing like their own separate goals, and yet we're also pursuing like the, the overarching goal of creating a blighted corrupted void titan whilst also trying to get themselves out from underneath the thumb of the void lords because the void lords live in some kind of unimaginable place that has completely different physical laws and it isn't as great as here you know to the old gods do you want a, a realm where you can corrupt or a destroyed realm of nothing if the void lords win there will be nothing there will be nothing to corrupt there will be nothing to torment there will be there will be no old gods yeah well and that's 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 kind of where I was going. Like, what if no, the old yeah. gods don't want nothing anymore? Well, maybe they do, and then they don't at the same time. My point sure. is that they don't have to have. We're we're using a sane, rational. We can't attribute mindset. one ultimate goal to these things because yeah. they have a multitude of them all existing at the same time simultaneously. In fact, one of the reasons Yashraj might be the the least among them is because he has the most coherent viewpoint. You know, by their standards, that might make him weaker. 
Like, think about it. Yisrash had seven heads. His timeline ended, sort of. Yeah. So there's there's lots of there's lots of stuff here that you know we keep butting around it and bumping into it and seeing it from different angles. Like the fact that the void the void that that Alaria is talking to the void that is trying to control her. It it does not have to say the absolute truth to her, although it probably doesn't bother to lie to her because it has so many different truths it can try. Does that make sense? And it can certainly find Sylvanas an anathema because at least the light has one true thing that it holds true. But Sylvanas, she, her entire state of existence is a denial. Mm-hmm. It isn't like it, it. Nothing is true. What's the old thing? Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. If you don't have any truth, if you don't have anything you hold to be like a pathway to, 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 to you know, the way things are supposed to be, if you are, live outside of the way things are supposed to be, rather than trying to redefine the way things are supposed to be, that's a completely different kind of problem. And that's not something the old gods would know how to fight. You can't corrupt the dead. They're already dead. You can't well, twist them into your own service. You well, some flesh monsters and all that, but you can manipulate them there's nothing there's a lot going on here that that i feel like there's too many perspectives at once in in fact this is the real problem with the old gods isn't it there's always too many perspectives at once but i was i was gonna say i think you hit on something there though too like corruption can mean a whole bunch of other things depending on perspective right like it doesn't necessarily have to be a flesh perspective or a a spiritual perspective there's a ton of angles like and again, I, I'm not talking about spoilers on what's coming, but I just had a thought about what we know. We know that that Zaltath winds up in Sylvanas's hands. What if that's her new lantern? And we talked about this earlier in the episode. Old gods like birth things from their bodies, right? What if that, that knowledge combining with her growing necromantic power? Because let's be honest, it is definitely growing. And she is flexing that necromantic muscle a whole heck of a lot more than she has in the past, uh, raising like pure skeletons and like I was gonna say this this kind of leads into the next question so I don't maybe we should let's ask that question then I guess so let's read off that question it's it's framed a little differently but it kind of involves the same things uh second question here from vertigree says remember those skeletons Sylvanas raised out of everyone's dead during the battle for Lord Run which is what we were just discussing uh they said they didn't seem to have free will but do you think as Sylvanas's necromant necromantic skills increase that's where new death knights could come from so good yeah good yes but um i'm just gonna be up front sylvanas does not seem particularly enchanted with giving people the ability to defy her no well i don't think free will is something she's super interested in other people having and and here's the the other interesting thing i was just thinking about in pandaria just to go back a little bit we we fought like an entire group of wakeners right like they were the paragons they were devoted they the were Plaxi, yeah the, they were fanatically devoted to their old god and the sort of the re-rise of that power made them you know stop working with us and go well we're gonna kill you now because well the voice told us to so we're on it but that's an interesting thing because like sylvanas is afraid of free will at this point we we read this in the in the novel right like we read this in before the storm it's where not necessarily it's, that she's afraid of free will because I I'd hesitate to call her afraid of anything. She sure. just gets upset. And what upsets her isn't necessarily the idea of free will. It's the idea of anybody defying what she wants. Well, and, and think about that. They define what she wants when she's trying to do nothing but preserve their life. And magically she gets something that has knowledge of how to do both of those. Raise a fanatical group of followers, essentially, by, you know, subtle manipulation, not exactly direct mind control or whatever the case is but also how to breed an infinite number of potential like family. Like that seems like it accomplishes both of her things that she's been looking to do for, I don't know, ever. Like it seems a little too convenient that that happens. And I'm not saying that she's like corrupted or made a deal with like the old God, because, you know, I believe that she's feels she's in control of the situation, but that's, that's a whole lot of dangerous in one spot. And yet she could make new death Knights. But she could also make weird, corrupted versions of Nathanos using that knowledge. And I don't think they would be Death Knights in the way that we feel that they would be, because the Lich King's still around. He's still doing Lich King things. And I feel and like if anybody was to raise, 
Yeah, I feel like if anybody were to raise new Death Knights, it would be the new Lich King. Now, whether or not he would be raising Death Knights for the purposes of serving his own interests or actually helping the world, don't know yet. But I feel like that's where those would come from. I think if Sylvanas raised anything that was Death Knight adjacent, it would be a soldier that was single-mindedly devoted to her and her cause. It wouldn't really be a Death Knight as we would frame it today you know what i mean i also just had a, a thought just to go back to one other thing something that rossi said earlier about sarfang sure about the unified front when we were talking about Vol'jin way back when and naming sylvanas the 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 new war chief or windrunner the new war chief i made the posit that it was through hyreek who was already corrupted or touched by the old gods the old gods who and possibly this is Cthune here at this point the old gods don't want that unified front. That seems to be further supporting evidence that maybe that's where that voice came from. I definitely because... think there's possibly some some room for there. But one of the things I've been thinking about is, have we actually seen Sylvanas's necromantic power grow? Because I want to be very clear here. We don't know how she raised those people. We don't know if that's her power or the Freikul. I mean, it certainly looked know. like her power in the cinematic, in the cutscene. It looked yeah, like but... her doing something and lifting everything. But it, we couldn't tell if she was channeling from the Vrykul or the Valkyr or not, though. Yeah, we don't know if she's chewing, channeling from the Valkyr. We don't, there's a lot we don't know. One thing to keep in mind, though. Sylvanas well, is crafty above all else, above everything else. Sylvanas is clever. She is a extremely talented strategist and tactician. And this is one of the things that I think is often ignored when talking about her. This was the person who, when faced with an army of limitless undead, knew how to retreat from them in just such a way as to keep them on the defensive. She used the elf gates. She used her people to effectively, and she was stymieing Arthas. If not for Drathir, she'd have beaten him. To, to the only the... reason she lost... No, I'm, I'm, I am going somewhere. Sorry, sorry, sorry. When she does things, she does things... Even when she loses, seems to lose control, she does things for a strategic reason. She does... Her fallback position is a fallback position. It's a plan. This is, this is the thing I'm always thinking of when I'm seeing... They keep saying, you know, the Alliance is winning this war. I keep thinking of Arthas marching through... what's now the ghost lands, you know, and by all accounts winning and yet not getting anywhere. The only reason he got somewhere was because living Sylvanas trusted her own people. That's not a lesson she's going to make. That's not a mistake. She's going to make this time. It's not a lesson she didn't learn. She's not going to trust her own people to her own detriment. So in terms of whether or not her, it's her own power or the right of the Valkyr, that's one thing to consider. The other thing is, is that what is she going to do with that power? I don't think free-willed undeads, like the Death Knights are extremely powerful. Is she going to want to put a lot of power into the hands of a few that might use it against her? Or is she going to want to put, like spread that power out and not have to worry about it being turned against her? Well, like you said, she learned that lesson. She saw what happened to Arthas. Yeah, and there's, I don't feel like the Lich King is the is the paradigm she's going to use. Does that make sense? She's yes. not going to do no, something yeah. Arthas would do. She's going to do things her way. Her way. Um, I think you've seen her. Like She's got a lot more Dark Rangers than she used to, and she's getting more. But they're also fanatically devoted to her. Yeah. But you'll notice that those Dark Rangers, she used the Valkyr to raise them. Now, to answer Anne's question real quick, just from what you're saying, like, do we know if it was her power or the power of the Valkyr? She's shown this. If we If we take... Warcraft 3 as canon, which we have to because the story is definitely bleeding over into now, she was able to raise skeletons and undead armies that way back then. In vanilla, if you were to uh, attack the Undercity, something that we did a lot, like my, my guild back then, when I was Alliance, we used to make it a point to once a month go through and try to kill all of the faction leaders because we could. Um, and... One thing that used to happen back then, when you would get to her in the Undercity, she would raise hordes of skeletons, not forsaken, skeletons, to come and fight you. And it's something that she has exhibited in-game, at least mechanically, for years. It's but something that, means... that she, hasn't, she hasn't done a lot until recently. She hasn't really done it re- a lot recently. She did it once. Like, we haven't seen her do that since. Sure, but she we didn't did see her do it. She did it at the Battle of Undercity. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily follow that she's getting more powerful. 
No, but I, I think it's her willingness the same to use it more. Yeah, or we can't even really say more just because she used it this time. She used it when the Alliance is literally outside the gates. It might be something she uses when she's in personal danger. I don't know. But Maybe. I do think I do think that even if she is getting more powerful, we're not going to see a bunch of Death Knights coming out of it because that's I not agree. that's not the way she works. I agree. I'm going to move um, on to one more email here, which also involves Sylvanas to a degree um, and Salatath. Uh, this one is from Tuckfin. And I'm going to preface this with let's not talk about 8.1.5 spoilers necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I may give a broad overview here, but uh, if if you want to skip forward, please feel free to skip forward. That's fine. Uh, this this one's from Tuckfin. says, hey guys, Tuckfin here. I was on the rabbit hole that is Reddit Warcraft lore, and someone mentioned Ilganoth's quote, at the hour of her third death, she will usher us in. Well, the Reddit guy suggested not Sylvanas, but Zalatath was the third death. Her first death being put into the blade, and the second us destroying it, and the third whatever Sylvanas intends to do with it. Thanks, Tuck. I'm going to say, without saying too much, that I don't think this is what's happening because there are events that happen in 8.1.5 that kind of work against that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I kind of want to go back to, though, is the idea that we are talking about Sylvanas here because Sylvanas died once when she became Sylvanas. She died again in Silverpine. And the way that she is tied into everything that is going on right now Wait, I'm wait, kind wait, wait. of wondering if she's being set up for that third death. We have a silver pine is her second death. We can't because yeah, died. because of iron the the ice crown died atop the ice crown. So she's oh yeah, ice crown. So already. she's done it three times already. Hasn't so she? the the only uh, the only option there would be is if hurling herself off of ice crown citadel didn't actually kill her, but brought her into the shadow realm. I don't know. She was floating around where Arthas was dead, so technically... The story seems pretty explicit in that she is dead. And even the the Valkyr have to make a deal, and one of them has to take her place. That's the first time that a Valkyr sacrifices themselves to bring her back. In that case, she's died three times, and she's already ushering them in. Yeah, but what if it's not her? I don't know. Then who else would it be? But what what if it's Azeroth? What Azeroth if it's Azeroth hasn't can... technically died though, has it? Yeah, but but dying can be again, it's one of those things that could be interpreted several different ways. And we're dealing with the void here, so again, multi multiple points of view. Dying in rebirth is is also like just changing. It's the essence of change. Who you were is not who you are. And we've had it's, two major think... traumatic events already, right? Yeah, but in each case, in order for something to die, it has to have a fixed state. It has to have been born. Let let Joe finish what he was saying here, though. Go ahead, Joe. But I mean, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, Azeroth was originally one thing. Then the old gods came and sort of changed, essentially, the face of the planet, what it was. And then the Titans came and reordered everything and changed it yet again. What if that's what it's referring to? Because the planet is alive. The planet and everything around it is alive. The the Titan inside of it is alive. Yeah, it's not born, but it is a thing that has existed, and it's a thing that has gone through massive changes at least twice that we know at a global scale. What if that's what it's referring to? What if there's another one coming? What if that's what they're referring to is that the hour of the third death is not necessarily the death, but almost like a reorigination of the planet yet again? What if the old gods get into one of those titan facilities and figure out how to in- infect it and then corrupt it and re-pull the trigger like what if that's what it's referring to and then what if that's that's the ushering in that it's it's so it's supposed to be because i've been thinking about this for years and i can't i cannot figure out who else or what else could be the third death because i mean i it's always not forget about the part i always forget about the part where where Solanus jumped off ice crown I always forget about mm-hmm. that because she's had those three deaths already. So technically it can't be her unless it already is her. And she's the one it, that's ushering everything in right now as we speak. Is it is it Helia? I mean, because technically she was, uh, you know, alive, got converted into well, Helia her has weird form. Twice. Has yeah. died twice. And then we killed her. So the hour of her third death, we know that she's still kicking around, right? Like, we, we know that for a fact. Yeah, they, the the Vrykul that you talk to even says, you think killing her stops her? And again, no, this is another is island expedition lore thing that popped mm-hmm. up. Yeah. 
So what if we have to kill her in the third the, the, that and, and or she dies yet again or whatever, and that's the hour of the third death? But those are my two bets. My my two bets are either Azeroth or Helia. What do you think, Rossi? Uh, I mean, I've never known with this. This is one of those the problems with the entire thing. This is one of the reasons I don't spend a ton of time going over Ilganoth, whereas other people love to, because they're phrased in such a way as they're they'll make sense when Blizzard comes around to revealing them, but they're vague enough that they don't actually mean anything now. Uh, they could mean anything, like the circle of stars thing. You know, I will drown you in a circle of stars. There, there's a ton of possible meanings to all of it. That being said, um, I feel like the Helia thing, the fact that Helia is apparently still around somewhere, I keep wondering what the deal Helia struck with Sylvanas was. Yeah. I've always been thinking about that. What was the deal? What did Helia get out of it? You know, Sylvanas got the lantern. What did Helia get? You're telling me Helia gave Sylvanas the lantern and didn't demand anything from her? Yeah, there's no way. And if so, she would have wanted it first. She's not going to say, well, after you get what you want, then come back. And, you know, because Sylvanas well, wouldn't come back. She's no, you're not- right. You're absolutely so, right. Look at look at how we got out of Helia's realm in the first place. We had to give her entertainment, essentially, and defeat her yeah. champion. We had to do so, that before that was ever happened. So Sylvanas gave Helia something already. The transaction happened. Sylvanas gave Helia something in exchange for that lantern. What was it? So here's my what? question. Was it the lantern? Like, was it actually the lantern that she was making a bargain for? Or was it oh, Dominion oh, over oh. the Valkyr? Wait, what if what she gave her was freedom? Think about it. During this time, before we ever got into Helia's realm, before we ever fought her, before we did anything there, there are a ton of quests in which her agents, her seaweed Vicruel, uh, what, Tideshorn or whatever they're called, um, they were trying to summon her to the material plane. They were trying to break her out of her, her little her little soul imprisonment. What if that's what she got? She wasn't trapped anymore. And the last thing that they needed after everything was for us to, quote unquote, kill her and sever the last of the bonds, whatever kept her there. And now she's just running around because whatever Sylvanas brought back with her to this realm, let her come back to this realm. How could Sylvanas do that, though? Like, how could, could Sylvanas been... free her? How would Sylvanas have that information well, even? I'm going back to the lantern because that had to be t- in my mind. It had to be tied to Helia's essence and power in some capacity, right? What if Gen breaking that lantern was exactly what Helia wanted? In which case, thanks a lot, Gen. <laughs> <laughs> Think about something though. Yeah, Odin is the one who sends us to kill Helia mm-hmm. to free him mm-hmm. because he's bound to the, the halls of valor. And Xanatos and Desdemona all over again. So Odin sends us, we go down, we we do his work, we we destroy Helia. Now, assuming that Helia is free, you're talking about Sylvanas having given Helia her freedom, but think about what does that mean? What is Helia at this point? She's not a Valkyr anymore. She's not a mere undead of any kind anymore. She's death. Where would she go? How would she go? And where would, if Sylvanas is getting stronger necromantically, how would that be happening when she didn't really display Ooh. any particular necromantic talent in her life? She doesn't know anything about magic. She's not a sorcerer or a warlock or a wizard. She doesn't know the arcane. She doesn't she know She was just magic. a ranger. Yes. So how would she suddenly be learning? Is she just tapping into her own natural power? Well, I mean, it's not suddenly. We know that she's been doing it since she was a banshee. Yeah, so. But that's the, the banshee's... Other banshees don't raise skeletons. So then was Helia's influence all the way back in Warcraft 3? And Maybe. or vanilla? For that matter, you know, we can't use game mechanics as canon. If she just because she could do a thing in game doesn't mean sure. that, that but but think about this. If her power is growing, if I'm saying if, not that it is, but if it's growing, why is it growing? She doesn't have the helm of dominion. She doesn't have any connection to the Lich King. No, but she sure as heck made a deal with an entity that was powerful enough to create the elemental planes and trap the elemental lords. And more importantly, her body doesn't have a soul in it. I thought that Sylvanas's body did have part no, of a soul in it. That no, was the whole point she was no. walking around. No, that's that's she herself even says this, you know, that the, the dead don't have that. And the lantern was called the soul cage, right? I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, but that was for the Valkyr. 
Valkyrie. Was it though? Valky- well, here's my thing. If the cage had worked and Sylvanas had control over the Valkyr, that's fine by Helia. Because, you know, Aegir dared to repl- try to replace Helia. Even right. the, even a lot of the Valkyr were like, no, we're not going off to work for you. We're, you know, we're going to stick with, with Helia. She's the first Valkyr. Think, think about if you need a place to hide after you're quote unquote dead and you want not to, you don't want to confront Odin yet, where would you go? Did, oh no, did Helia piggyback into the soul cage? Or That's kind of what I was thinking, actually, a little bit. She yeah. piggyback into Sylvanas because mm. Sylvanas is suddenly doing more necromantic magic. And, you know, and here's the thing: is I'll give the, you this, this thing if you be, be my vessel. And it doesn't even have to be adversarial. No, because it's not like Helia. Helia's not going to stay there permanently. And in the meantime, Sylvanas gets what she wants. And they might even think about this: the, the two of them have a lot in common. Oh, forced man. into doing a role that they didn't want to do. And trapped if, in a trapped. existence they didn't yep. want. And if oh. Helia is in Sylvanas right now, if we kill Sylvania, Sylvanas, that's we Helia's third death. Yep, yep <sighs> maybe. But I, the, the only reason I don't like that, though, and it goes back to something we talked about before, and I really, the only reason I would hope that this is not necessarily the case is I don't like the idea of Sylvanas's actions not being Sylvanas's. Oh, but that's the perfect thing. If they're if Helia and Sylvanas make a pact, that doesn't mean Sylvanas is influenced by Helia in any way. It's purely Maybe. each wants something. They each get what they want. See, Helia's that's why I'm, just I'm pointing out their similarities. Well, yeah, that's why I'm pointing out their similarities. Think about the fact that Helia might actually like Sylvanas because she could see herself there they might actually have made a bargain based purely on oh so some someone who considered himself more important than you used you killed you raised you up and forced you to do his bidding all right here's what we're going to do and there's also something kind of to admire in sylvanas as far as helia is concerned because sylvanas got out of it yeah mm-hmm. she Just got her free helia will did. back and then she got her free will back back and then establish things and now she's freely roaming the world where Helia can't. She's kind of got a leg up on Helia as far as that's concerned. It doesn't even need to be a case where Helia is riding around inside Sylvanas. It might it might be something as simple as work to get me out. Maybe. There's a lot you know but, but we don't know if there's any connection and that's the, the weird stuff is there's a lot of death stuff going on like the Drust the Drust there, I need to know more about the Drust and what their whole deal is and how they create those, those wicker stone bodies and how they power it with their own souls. Cause there's the Drust. Have you seen the original versions of the Drust? If you look at Gorak tool, mm-hmm. there's some creepy ass similarities between them and the, and the Vrykul. And I want to know what's going on there. Okay. As much as this conversation has been super entertaining, and it has, we're kind of running over on time here, so we probably should wrap it up for this week. Um, We still have emails to get to, and we'll just carry those over to next time, so no big deal. But if you have an email for the show, again, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Um, And for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have a lot of titles available, um, thousands of titles covering all kinds of things. They also have a section of books that are just Blizzard titles, and you can go ahead and pick any of those for your free audiobook download. Um, I know we talked about Before the Storm a little bit. It's still... Like, seriously, guys, if you're interested in what's going on in Battle for Azeroth, they're starting to bring in stuff from Before the Storm more and more as time goes on. So it's worth picking it up. Anyway, so you can download any of Blizzard's titles or you can download something else entirely if you want to by going to blizzardwatch.com audible and every sign up helps support the show. Uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Okay, final thoughts, you guys. Do you think at the end of Battle for Azeroth, given what we know as far as Blizzard doing things environmentally to show like a shift of anything 
do you guys think that Sargeras's sword is ever going to be gone from Silithus? Will we find a way to remove it? Joe. So I don't think it's going to be removed. I think whatever we do is going to take that Titan power and either purify it and put it into Azeroth or dissipate it. One or the other. I don't think it's going to like be pulled out per se. I think I think its disillusion is going to be part of the final cure. If there's do, a final do you cure. think it's just going to go away? Like at, at some point, it's just there's not going to be a sword there after battle for no. Azeroth. I think it's going to get turned into something kind of like I don't know the Temple of Elune. It's a Titan power. I think it's going to get constructed into something that sits on top of the wound. Rossi, what about you? What do you think? Oh, I'm going to get it. Wait, what? <laughs> warriors are going to get it as a weapon. That's what he's saying. I need it yeah, for my warrior. Drop. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it'll be the last drop of the last rage, which is going to be, you know, in, into the wound. And, you know, we'll, we'll we'll purify it and get it. It'll be our weapon. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's cool. No, I, honestly, I have no idea. Um, I was thinking in terms of all that stuff we were just talking about, that another person we thought we didn't talk about as a possible candidate is a loon and her role in this expansion, because she seems to have one to a degree based on stuff that happened in the, the two short stories, um, Elegy and uh, A Good War. Definitely feel like a loon has more of a role to play this expansion. Um, but in terms of that sword, I uh, no idea. I mean, at this point, what would it take to remove it? Uh, you'd need to, like, if you just pulled it straight out, I, I feel like that's kind of a problem, because then you would actually have a giant gaping wound in the planet that, you know, whereas... If you purify it, can you purify that thing? Like it was, we already drained, like it was like poisoning the world and we drained that out of it, but it destroyed our artifacts. I don't know that you could actually, the thing, the thing is, it's very big. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it would almost be better served as a reminder of what happened, but yeah, it's one of those things like the old saying, you know, if you someone gets stabbed in the chest, you don't just pull the knife out because they'll bleed to death. There's, mm-hmm. there's no way to close the wound that I know of. Um, maybe if you could actually transform the sword into like something that could close the wound, I, but you got me. Long shot out there theory from me. Um, we're going to transform that sword into something that will become the next Teldrassil. And it'll be the Night Elf home on the other end of Kalimdor. I don't think that's going to happen. That's just me, you know. Taking a long shot and going pew and seeing. I mean, what I can totally, I can totally see them taking a branch from like Telder Soul that like they saved and like shoving it in this like swirling pool of Azerite and just boom, new world tree. Boom, and it just grows up around the sword. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting. It would be very interesting because it wouldn't be growing from the well of eternity. It'd be growing from straight up Azerite, and it'd probably be pretty massive. But again, like I said, far off theory. That's just shot in the dark. Anyway, that wraps us up for Lore Watch. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks. <laughs>